I'm looking for a Jedi. How'd you get in here? A girl has been kidnapped. I need your help to find her. I am Haja Estri, Jedi. I help all who are in need. In return, I ask only a few credits. The shadows are my realm, for the light is an unforgiving place for my kind. Of course. How much? 500 to locate the girl, another 300 to take you to her. Goodness, that light is unforgiving. I mean, that's a really good deal. Oh, make it a thousand, I'll even show you some tricks. What do you know of the Force, my friend? Just that there's a lot of remotes and magnets. Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar. Welcome to the 156th Force Fakeout episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent, and awesome Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is via social media at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. How is everyone doing? We are back. It's been about 10 minutes since I recorded and dropped the first episode review for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And if you know anything about me, uh, I get a little I get a little wild when I got to do these shows back to back. So I'm a little fired up. I feel like I'm in the zone and, and, and I'm just ready to, to just get after it, get into the meat of the this, this show because I'm having so much fun. With, with watching Kenobi, re-watching Kenobi for the episodes, and, and, and just talking about it in general, and, and hopefully uh, finding uh, happiness in your hearts with, with, the wor- with the words that I'm putting into your ears. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. But again, I hope you're enjoying the content that we're producing over here. And, and I, again, I'm really ecstatic that we're getting to break down these episodes of Obi-Wan. Uh, the day of, basically. The, you know, they, they dropped last night, early last night. Well, early by my standards, I suppose. Depends what, what, what your time zone is. They dropped around 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. out here in the West Coast, which meant I got to watch them before I went to bed, which was great because initially my plan for the day, for today, for Friday, was to, to get up really, really early and watch them because I, I kind of had a full plate and I had worked a really long day yesterday, so I knew I wasn't, I wasn't going to make it till midnight. Like, that just wasn't going to be in the cards. I didn't want to force myself to sit till midnight and then fall asleep 
you know, just as Obi-Wan begins, you know, I was, I was not prepared for that. So I wanted to get up early to watch the show today. Uh, and then my good friend, my buddy, Ken, who's going to be at Star Wars Celebration this weekend. So if you see my friend Ken, say hi. Uh, he texted me. He's like, hey, it dropped. And I had sort of started my, my social media embargo uh, late yesterday evening because I just I, I was getting a little bit inundated with, with a lot of information. And I was worried that people who were, who were seeing stuff at Celebration might say something. So I, I had started not paying attention to social media uh, a couple hours earlier. And my, good, my friend Ken... Thank you so much, my good friend Ken, who gave me the heads up that it, it dropped at nine, and I got to watch it uh, shortly thereafter. I, I I had to finish what little project I was working on at the time, and then I sat down and I got real cozy on the couch, and I watched me some Obi Wan Kenobi, and it was it was just a delight to be able to watch it before I went to bed last night. Though I was a little amped up after watching those, those these first two episodes, I was a little amped up. Sleep did not come easily. I, I was sort of tempted to extract the recording equipment from the bedroom and, and uh, uh, record in the living room. But I knew the process of extracting said recording equipment would awaken and incite the ire of the Sith Lord that I am married to. No, don't just if I woke her up, she would have been really angry. That's all I'm saying about that. She's a nice lady. Trust me. Um, but yeah, so I didn't want to wake up the wife by, by me you know, pulling all the equipment out of the bedroom. So it wasn't worth the, the hassle. I was like, ah, I'll just go in the morning. It's all good. So here we are. The first episode review is out now. I'm sure you've have, uh, it, you have at least have it in your feeder. That's for, that's for sure. Don't know what order you're going to listen to it. But hey, that's the best part about a podcast. You listen to it whenever you want. So before we kind of dive into the, into the episode two stuff, because again, this is a really full episode of the show. There's a lot to talk about. You know, we're going to pick up where we left off with our review from last time. And, you know, I, I, I sort of wanted to relay some stuff because I, last the last episode, the first episode of Kenobi was, was a long one. It's a big episode. There's a lot of things to talk about. Uh, so I didn't kind of get into my some of the anecdotes and stuff like that that I will sometimes bring to the podcast. But I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit today about about my love of Obi Wan Kenobi. And before we get into the show proper, and um, it it, re- it really you know again this is this is the Mando Vision podcast. We we are very inclined to the to the the Mandoade culture and and Mandalorian society and 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 everything. Mandalorian is, 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 is my cup of tea. You know, I, I sort of, I don't know if chafe is the word I want to use, but like the Jedi and Sith stuff, as fun as it is, as fun as the Jedi and Sith are, like there's something about, about the, the Mandalorians that I'm drawn to that, that's, that's sort of like what I connect with, uh, the most. And again, most of that comes out of the EU. I mean, you know, you know, stuff in the, in Clone Wars and Rebels is great too, but, but I, I kind of got indoctrinated to the Mandalorian society at a, at a, at a, at a age when it felt right <laughs> basically my mid to late 20s was when it was like hitting that sweet spot but remember I'm, I'm an older guy i grew up with the original trilogy on vhs uh one of the first movies i saw as a kid was return of the jedi in theaters at, at the old wheaton plaza and so star wars has been a big part of my childhood my teens my 20 you know the whole the whole thing it's, it's been a whole a big part of my entire life and when i was a little young kid you know, you're you're interested in the main three, right? Han, Luke, and Leia. You know, and then by extension, Chewbacca, R2, C3PO, and then of course you like the bad guys like Darth Vader. But the first Star Wars movie, you know, A New Hope, uh, it 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 has 
old guys in it. And you're like, ah, who are these old guys? They're just here to kind of like send the heroes off or send off the villains if you're Tarkin in, in that regard. You know, Obi-Wan's sort of like our entry point to the old Republic, to the, 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 the previous era, you know, talking about the Clone Wars, talking about the, the, the Republic and, and all these things. And, and, you know, I mean, it's not that he's a bad character, but like as a young, as a young boy, that's not the character you connect with. You're not like, oh man, that Obi-Wan Kenobi, man, I want to be him when I go out and play with my friends. I'm going to be Obi-Wan. I'm going to be the old wizened master. I'm going to be the old fossil in the corner. You know, no, <laughs> you know, you're a young person, you're a kid and you want to be Luke and Leia and Han. And, you know, you want to do all that, that whole thing. Or like if you're, if you, if you, you know, sometimes you want to be Darth Vader and get the red lightsaber and, and do, go choppy choppy with it. But as I got older, again, you always liked Obi-Wan. Even as a kid, you liked him. He's, he's like sort of like your grandpa, right? Your crazy uncle. You, you always liked Obi-Wan in that regards. It wasn't until I got older, uh, in, probably my middle to late teens, like 15, 16, 17, around that time. You know, and again, watching the movies on VHS, on, on VHS tapes that we had from Columbia House that my brother and I had been wearing out for, you know, over a decade at that point. You know, like just... We might have even been on our second copy of the tapes. I can't even remember. Like We would just wear tapes out watching Star Wars over and over and over again. All of them. All three. The original trilogy. And, and you know, you watch these movies over a certain amount of time. And, and one of the best parts about Star Wars is all the things you take from it, from the multiple viewings. Uh, the, the sort of like insights you gain. The sort of way you start to think about the, the characters and their, their motivations and their reasons. And Obi-Wan became this character that I started becoming infinitely fascinated with because of his role in that in that movie that like he's this you know by by Uncle Owen's description a crazy old wizard out in the desert he's this hermit but he's out there for a reason and it takes us a long time to kind of come to these realizations to come to this this you know uh real again realization that he's there to keep an eye on Luke that he's there to protect Luke that he's there to shepherd Luke into the next phase of his life uh and now it comes about through tragic circumstances the death of, of Uncle Owen and Emperor uh, but but you know Obi Wan's this this vital link to the prior era and also to Luke's father Anakin Skywalker who again by this point I've seen Empire Strikes Back a billion times so you know who Vader is and the connections and all this stuff and it, it becomes this wonderful tapestry and that's a word I like to use when I talk about the Star Wars galaxy because it is a wonderful tapestry it's all these various threads sewn together where weaved together brought together whatever the right word is to make this really just wonderful, rich, vibrant image uh, of just that we just wrap ourselves in and envelop ourselves with. And, and, and Obi-Wan's one of those characters who uh, started making that, that, that tapestry more complex and more vibrant uh, because that he was there for the fall of Anakin. He was there for the rise of Darth Vader, the fall of the Republic, the fall of the Jedi, all these things. And, and you know, I, I became fascinated with, with, with that whole aspect of the character. And then the prequels get announced, and and uh, Ewan McGregor, an actor I had seen very very recently in, in movies like Train Spotting and a couple of other smaller UK films. I think some Danny Boyle produced ones, or maybe even Danny Boyle directed ones. Again, he did Train Spotting, but I think there was a couple other ones that Ewan was involved in. And I so I'd seen him in these, and I, so I knew him from that. Uh, and I was like, oh, look at this guy. This guy's gonna be the new Obi Wan. This is fantastic. I love Train Spotting. I love. Uh, I'm trying to blank on the movie now with the with the roommates and the you know basket of cash, but that's a great one too. 
so many it's such a such a wonderful little actor you know little that's not what i meant but such a wonderful actor who's going to be thrust into the limelight and he's going to get to to bring young obi-wan to life at the, in the time of the republic the time of the jedi and and seeing his portrayal i, I thought i thought obi-wan was a little underserved in episode 1 but it's delightful that he's there he gets a great he gets a few great moments with with uh with Qui-Gon Obviously, the big lightsaber fight at the end, but by episode two and three, I mean like you know, you and McGregor and Obi Wan Kenobi are synonymous, right? Like they're all in it. I was enthralled. I was delighted. He was one of the highlights for me in the prequels, and still is. I, I really still love what you and uh, what you and brings that performance. Uh, so, you and was kind of you and slash Obi Wan was kind of like my go to Jedi for like the longest time. I was like you and McGregor is like the best Jedi Knight. Like, he's perfect. Like this is the ideal Jedi, right? And then obviously we get into Clone Wars. And by the end of Clone Wars, I mean, my my tape, my time, my uh, template of what a perfect Jedi is has shifted a little bit. You know, it actually leans a little bit more Ahsoka Tano. But the the deep feelings I have for Obi-Wan uh, have been have been there for, for a really, really long time. And to see that culminate with Ewan's return for this Disney Plus series is is just such a delight, and and you know I know I talked about it in, in the the Vanity Fair episode we did, uh, but to, to, you know to hear that Ewan McGregor and to hear that Hayden Christensen and so many of the other actors involved in the prequels had sort of felt, uh, you know, a little bit of a disconnection because at the time of their release the the, the prequels were were so panned and and so disliked by the hardcore the quote unquote hardcore Star Wars fans. Um, that they, they, they felt a little burned by the franchise. And, and that's, that sucks. That stings. Because, you know, if there are faults in the prequels, it's not theirs. You know, they're, they're, again, you can make the argument about some script issues. You can make the argument about some directing issues. I mean, you can. But they're, they're, giving, they're doing what they, what they get to work with. And, I, but, and again, I never faulted these actors for, for what they did. I thought they, again, they, they delivered in all the right moments, in all the right parts, and that's what really, really mattered. So Ewan coming back, Hayden Christensen coming back, was a, was a delight. And, and while we've only glimpsed Hayden thus far after two episodes of Kenobi, uh, I, I can honestly tell you that I'm really, really excited to see these two back on the screen together with each other. And, and it, it, it is interesting uh, because of the way that episode one of Obi-Wan Kenobi we find Obi-Wan in the depths of despair, wallowing in despair, you know, doesn't know who he really is anymore and, and, and chafes against the idea of becoming who he was because of his failures, because of his failures with Anakin, because of, you know, the fall of the Order, the fall of the Republic, and, and all these terrible things that have sort of enveloped him, and he's putting that weight on his shoulder. So this, this, this series has the potential to be a really redemptive arc for the character that will, that will catapult him into the, the Obi-Wan the wise mentor character that we will come to know him to be in episode four. And then again, again, we have another Obi-Wan to catch up with in the time of Rebels as well. We have to get to that point, though. We have to get this Obi-Wan, who's at the lowest of lows, back up to that point where he can have that confrontation with Maul in Rebels that is just so mind-bendingly perfect for, for, the, for, the, for the arc of Star Wars, for the arc of Obi-Wan, and for the arc of Maul. Um, but it's it's wonderful to be in the in the in the spot where we're getting that work now. We're we're doing the work to get to that Kenobi who can have that duel in the desert against against Maul, and and have it have 
all the emotional resonance, all the dramatic gravitas that it's supposed to have to be, in my opinion, perhaps the most perfect Star Wars moment of all time. Um, it's, it's, man, again, maybe, maybe that's a reach on my part, but I stand behind it. That episode of Rebels is, is probably my all-time favorite Star Wars thing. So, you know, hey, it is what it is. And, and again, my love for, for Kenobi runs deep. And this show, thus far, after two episodes, is delivering the goods. So let's get into it. I went on way longer than I meant to already. So you know what that means. We're going to get into it right now. It's time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Okay. I know how this looks. Yes, it looks like you just took money from that family. I got them safe. Just a little poorer. You're not going to tell anyone, are you? That depends on what you tell me. What are you, a bounty hunter? You're a bottom feeder. A rat who preys on weakness. But in my experience, rats know more about the sewers than anyone else. So judgmental. You're going to help me find this girl I'm looking for? Yeah, I'll do it. You'll help me? Yeah. Can I trust you? Definitely. So we skipped it in the beginning, but let's go ahead and get to the particulars of the episode. Uh, because, and we didn't skip it, we just, you know, I just rambled too long. I had to get, I had to get going with the episode. <laughs> this episode two of Kenobi, uh, directed by Deborah Chow, once again, who does another phenomenal job on the show. Our teleplay is by Joby, uh, jo- excuse me, Joby Harold, with a story by Stuart Beatty in Hussain Amini. I hope I said your name correctly, sir. Our principal cast for today's episode, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Vivian Libra Blair as Leah Organa. Rupert Friend is the Grand Inquisitor, and Moses Ingram is back as Reva. We also get a little uh, Sung Kang action returning, and Camille Nagiani steps into the spotlight. You may have recognized that voice from the clips we've just been playing here. And I listen, I want to regale it you guys with another little anecdote, but I swear to God I will keep it so much shorter this time around. Just earlier this week, like Tuesday night, I was at work and, you know, I'm thinking about Star Wars because that's what I do when I'm at work. I don't think about my job. Don't have time for that. Got to think about Star Wars around the clock. So I'm thinking about Star Wars and this, I, this idea pops in my head and I'm trying to figure out if I'd ever seen it in anything else before like whether it was in a book or a comic or or something like the idea of a con man as a jedi knight and i was like oh that would be a really fun idea i don't know if i thought of anything like that or i don't know if i can remember anything like that before in in star wars lore i'm sure there probably got to be something right maybe i'm just drawing a blank on it uh so i'm like but i I sort of become fascinated with the idea i was like oh wouldn't it be fun if they had this con man jedi and he had like a droid sidekick who like and they'd go from like town to town on a planet kind of like pulling cons and getting money and and doing all these things i was like oh that'd be so much fun when lo and behold i watch episode two of kenobi and we are introduced to kamel najiani's character of of (laughs) and and it's just it's it's like all the things i was thinking about you know like the magnets to to you know, to bring things to you, the remotes to sh- open and close shutters, you know all the all the different ways you could kind of fool a person willing to be fooled into thinking that you're a Jedi Knight, and and so yeah, I was really uh, excited about what I saw from Camille in this, and uh, again he sort of brings the thunder as as a little bit of Camille's n- normal voice inflection, uh, kind of kind of comes through the way he like delivers a line, sort of like the way he delivers 
the way that he just sort of talks is his speech patterns are sort of very Camille Nagiani's, but it just totally works for this character. Uh, and I was delighted by that. So I, I thought that was a hit for me. And, and good for Camille Nagiani, for God's sake. I mean, the guy was just in a Marvel movie, now he's in Star Wars. Like, how many more boxes can this guy get checked off in the next year or two? Like, what other franchises are there left to be in? I mean, maybe get eaten by an alien, killed by a predator? I don't know. I mean, it's possible, right? All, all, so much good stuff. Uh, but this episode, we pick up basically where, we, where we're left, leaving off, you know. Uh, Obi-Wan's leaving Tatooine. He's in pursuit. They've, the, the information that Bail Organa gave him to go to Dayo, that's where they lost the, the signal to find uh, Leia. That, that's as far as they could get for the tracking. So they know they're on that world. And so we get to go to Dayo with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, uh, you know, as we saw Dayo in the trailers, and, and it's, it's even seeing it more in the show than we did in the trailers, it's, it's even more like the world of Blade Runner that we met with, with, uh, with um, Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott back in the, the early 80s. And, and uh, I just was blown away. It is very Blade Runner's Los Angeles on this planet. They get all the neon, all the, the, the dark, kind of rainy, wet, wet streets. Uh, really, really delighted by that. Uh, and Obi-Wan gets on the planet, and he's looking for a little help. He's, uh, he's like, I don't understand why I can't track this ship anymore. Let's find out why he can't. I don't have time for this. Just, just be going. Excuse me. I'm looking for a ship. I was tracking its signals. You're in Dayu now. All signals in or out are blocked. Oh, like their secrets out here. So that's going to put Obi-Wan in a bad spot. Now he's got to like, get a little bit more involved with the locals. That means more people potentially seeing his face. Now, again, he's not a one man just yet. But, you know, for a guy trying to lay low, trying to, you know, not be seen, he's got to start making some more inquiries. And... He's going to, you know, hang around with the, with the lowlifes because they know where all the drama is happening. And this leads us to, uh, you know, a moment of, you want to call this an Easter egg, a cameo, a fun little moment. It, it's, it's, it's now. And, and it's, it's also, <laughs> Obi-Wan's a bit lost, right? We talked about this before. And, and I think we've maybe neglected to mention it in, the, in, the, in our review of the first episode, but Obi-Wan's unwillingness to use the Force has him trying to talk to Kenobi, or excuse me, has him, has him trying to reach out and, and contact Qui-Gon. Uh, but it's been unsuccessful because he's basically talking to himself because of his reluctance to be part of the Force again, right? And, and now he has another moment where he's like, you know, re- trying to reach out to Qui-Gon. Like, you know, I need, your, I need your guidance more than ever now. And uh, here, hold on, let's uh, back it up for just one second. I needed guidance, Master. It's now. Spare any credits. And here it is, the great cameo of the episode. Help a veteran get a warm meal. Tamara Morrison, as a Clone War veteran, a clone trooper, down in his luck, down in the streets, begging for change with his helmet outstretched for credits. Uh... I really, I, this I love this, and I love Obi Wan's sort of reaction slash reluctance because because I mean again, think about Obi Wan in, in the position he's in. You know he served with these clone troopers for for so many years, and then they turned and killed all the Jedi. Right, Order sixty six was issued, and you know this this clone trooper was probably responsible for killing a Jedi master at some point, a Jedi knight at some point. You know, yeah, who knows? 
I thought Obi-Wan might try to ask some questions of this clone trooper, but he, do- he doesn't. But I wonder if this clone trooper might come in handy later. Who knows? I, I sort of doubt it. I sort of think this is a one-off moment. But again, this is that, that period of the Empire um, where you know we're 10 years after Revenge of the Sith and the galaxy is changing. And you know we're seeing we're we're starting to see some of what's going on with the the empire transitioning from clone troopers to a more conscripted empire, a recruiting empire with you know more a, a, a broader gene pool in in the imperial army, right? Uh, we're seeing that on the Bad Batch, and we'll probably get more into that in Star Wars Bad Batch season two. Uh, so it, it is interesting because we we've posited many theories about what may happen to the clones. Uh, and to, to find one on Dio begging for, for change, for scraps, is, is definitely something very, very interesting. And that'll be interesting to see if they touch upon that at some point. In, in uh, Again, when the Bad Batch gets to it, when they when they say, like, what's going to be the fate of the clone troopers, it's interesting to see. And again, this this clone, he's he's uh, he's doing all right for him. You know, he's, uh, his advanced aging, I think he's doing okay. He looks pretty solid. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely down on his luck. He'd use a, use a shower and a shave, but you know, you know, the advancing agent of the clones was an issue. Uh, but he's he seems for ten years out, he seems to be doing okay. But a good cameo, a lot of fun. Like this moment quite a bit. So Obi Wan's wandering around. He's trying to get some information, but he's having a hard time, hard luck. And he comes across a knowing street urchin. You having trouble? There's a Jedi. He helps people. The Jedi are all gone. I'll take you to them. For the right price. And this is where we meet Camille Nagiani's character of Haja Estri. And he is, again, he's helping people, but he's taking credits. You know, he's kind of pulling a thing, but he's also conning people into thinking he's a Jedi Knight. But he is helping them, so he's not all bad, but he's profiting, and Obi-Wan doesn't like that. But this is where we get our, our sequence with the uh, that we use for the, our opening and for our transition scene. So so good stuff. I really like this. And it was fun to see who Camille was going to be playing in the show because, I mean, we, we only got like a fleeting glimpse of him in the trailers. Uh, but he does give him information that sends Obi-Wan on the path to a spice den, to a spice refining factory. You know, again, we're getting spice back into the galaxy. They don't come out right and say it, I don't think. Though I may just have to double-check that. But... Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a good scene. It's it's Obi Wan in a seedy underbelly. It's it's a lot of fun in the sequence. And I may have misspoke. It may not be spice, but it, you know maybe they're manufacturing death sticks. They're, but they're doing some. It very much looks like a drug manufacturing den of some sort. The Star Wars equivalent of meth, perhaps. Like I have like a bit of a Breaking Bad situation going on here. But Obi Wan's able to gain entry uh, in disguise. Makes his way through there again. He's not using force tricks, force powers, or anything like that. He's just trying to be. Uh, kind of clever and subtle and, and, and blending into the scenery. Uh, but it doesn't... Uh, he thinks he's going to find the girl. Gets into a little confrontation. He's bleeding, right? You know, gets into a confrontation with the Zabrak. Not the first time that's happened for him. Uh, but he thinks he's found Leia. Turns out it is, in fact, a trap. As we know, the kidnappers of Leia have been hired by Reva in an effort to smoke out Kenobi because of his connection to Bail Organa. Uh, knowing that Bail Organa would go to Kenobi for help in retrieving their daughter. So the plan has worked. Reva's plan has worked. Kenobi is smoked out. Uh, but what what we failed to mention earlier is one of the one of the little drug dealer girls that uh, Kenobi went and engaged with 
well, trying to get information. She gave him a little free sample, and he still got it on his person. And that's about to come in real handy about now uh, as Flea enters the fray. And I listen, I know he has a character name in this episode, and I don't mean to diminish that. But to me, he is Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And uh, I'm okay with that. I'm just going to call him Flea. If, you know, I, again, not diminishing the man, but hey, it's Flea. Check it out. It's Flea. I didn't know that Jedi could bleed. I'm surprised you fell for it. <laughs> I figured you'd be smarter than to risk everything for a spoiled little... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Inquisitor, really figured you out. Should be here soon. And then we'll be rich, and you'll be dead. Where is the girl? She must be close. Doesn't matter. You're not getting out of here. You're not a Jedi anymore, Kenobi. You're just a man. And you're bleeding all over my floor. Well, everybody bleeds. <laughs> So Kenobi explodes his little vial of uh, drugs, spice, if you will. I think it's spice. It looks like spice, right? It hits the air, and they're all going to get high. He traps them in the room, locks them into that chamber. They're all getting high. He has his little mask from when he's infiltrating the drug den, and uh, now he's going to do his business, right? But Reva's hit the streets of Dayo. She's on her way, and she's not going to be happy when she finds those guys all super, super high and not in possession of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, Obi-Wan does eventually find the correct room, and this is the first meeting between he and Leia. Who are you? Your father sent me. I'm here to help you. Where's the army? Come. I'm gonna get you out of here. Why should I trust you? Would you rather stay here? Now, let's go. So, it's an interesting moment. Again, Leia's very reluctant to trust Obi-Wan outright. He's said nothing about himself. He just says that her father sent sent him. And and that's not a lot for Leia to 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 put her trust into somebody. You know, we, we know how smart Leia is, you know, as an adult, and now we're seeing it as a child too. She's caught she's she's I don't want to say untrusting, but Jamie, she's she sort of has a cautiousness to her, right? Like she's more than willing to accept that someone's lying to her or that there's a deception going in place. She's already been kidnapped. She's in an unfamiliar situation. And now Kenobi has to get them out of this place. And we they talked about it in the last episode. We played that clip uh, when, when, when she's getting into it with her cousin about how Leia's never been off-world before. They've been reluctant to take her out into the galaxy. So Leia, this is her first time not being on Alderaan. So she's on Dio. She's in this crazy, crazy place. Uh, full of lights and scents and smell. Uh, scent, I was say scents and smells, uh, but but sights and smells and and the whole thing, right? Like it's all like sensory overload for this little kid. So she wants to sort of check it all out and see it all and be part of it, which makes for staying uh, low key and and unnoticed a little bit more challenging than Obi Wan would prefer. But what are you gonna do with a ten year old kid who? Uh, you know, if you have kids and yeah, they're around the ten years old, you you kind of know how it goes, right? It's it's a, it's a difficult situation for laying low and being unnoticed. And Obi Wan just wants to get the heck out of there, but not that Leia's making it difficult, but she's also having a hard time trusting him 
she still doesn't believe his story necessarily. And she starts to have questions about it. And we're going we're gonna to play some of that, um, some of the, the moments where Kenobi's reluctance to share anything about himself is actually really saying too much about who he is. And it makes Leia very uncomfortable. It's just, you seem kind of old and beat up. There is a port across the city. We need to make the last transport. Okay, then let's go. Wait. You have no idea what I'm risking being here, Your Highness. And now I need to do exactly as you're told, do you understand? Leah nods, but she's not uh <laughs> she's more overwhelmed by this by the surroundings than she is um concerned about heeding to Obi-Wan's demands. Uh, but Reva's plot has been sort of smoked out by the Grand Inquisitor, and he and Fifth Brother are arriving onto Dayo to have a little chat with her about all that. You would kidnap an Imperial Senator's child? We've done worse. You have no right. I found a link between him and Organa in the archives. I used the girl as bait. And you did this without informing me? You left me no choice. She thinks she will gain favor by capturing Kenobi. Whatever power you are craving, it will not change what you are. And what is that? The least of us. You came to us from the gutter. Your ability gave you station, but... All the power in the world can't mask the stench beneath. Maybe that stench is your failure. Secure the city. I will take Kenobi in myself. You are no longer required, sister. I brought Kenobi here. Stand down. You will be dealt with when we return. So, again, it looks like there's a little bit of dissent within the Inquisitors, which makes a fair amount of sense, right? Like, most of them are former Jedi twisted by the dark side, turning against their former allies and friends and brothers and sisters. Um, so there's no loyalty amongst them, right? And the Grand Inquisitor... Is, is attempting to put Reva in her place, but it looks like Reva's backstory has a, has a bit more sauce to it than we've been sort of uh, informed of thus far. And again, we talked in the first episode about how she has some sort of trauma that she's, she must be processing. There's some sort of connection to Kenobi that's, that's feeding, that, she, that she's feeding on, that's driving her, that, that, that's keeping her in the red, if you will, Sith, red. But again, remember, important distinction, the Inquisitors are not Sith. They are just warped, twisted, dark Jedi, basically, and they're killing other Jedi at this point. You know, but again, they are feeding onto the dark side. So ambition, power, uh, rising through the ranks, gaining favor with, with Sidious, with Vader, all these things are in play for all of them, trying to show their worth, right? Especially because, again, the rule of two is in play. Sidious and Vader, that's it. These people are just underlings. 
they are underlings. But Riva seems to have ambition to be more than that. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end of the episode uh, as, as some more information comes to light. But the Grand Inquisitor, not stoked on this person, doesn't seem to like her very much, tolerates her for her abilities. But again, she has brought out Kenobi, but why? What, what's going on there? What's their history? What's their connection? And again, she seems to be having information. She references the archives uh, to find the connection between Kenobi and Organa. But I, I think there may be more in play here. And again, I'm going to hold on to that for later. So Reva doesn't take too kindly to that chiding from the Grand Inquisitor, but she's not fearful of him at all. She, again, is highly driven, maybe a tad unhinged. Uh, but, she, but again, she has smoked out Kenobi, and now the Inquisitor is going to swoop in here and try to take credit for all of her efforts and, and her... Um, I don't know if I... <laughs> again... I'm reluctant to say certain words because at the end of the episode, we're going to have a discussion about something. Um, but, I, I, you know, what it would appear at this moment in the show to be ingenuity, her sort of self-motivation, right, to get in there and to smoke a Kenobi on her own. Uh, and she's about to change the game without the Inquisitor's appro- the Grand Inquisitor's approval like once again as she contacts the thugs she hired to kidnap Leia. Send it across the city. I want every lowlife and bounty hunter on this planet to know Kenobi is here. They only report to me. You really think those scum can catch a Jedi? I don't want them to catch him. I want them to squeeze him. He'll reveal himself eventually. And I will be waiting. So this is our, our John Wick moment. We, we got this also in season one of The, of the Mandalorian, uh, you know, when Grogu's bounty tracker became available once again. But this time it's, it's, for, it's, for, uh, it's for Obi-Wan, right? Every scum, low-life scum and bounty hunter on Dayu is about to get the alert. Again, it's a it's very John Wick moment, right? And everyone's about to be like, hey, hey, let's go find that Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's just walking around like some kind of schmuck. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capitalize on this bad boy. But uh, yeah, but again, again, it's a moment I've seen before. I've seen, uh, you know, in John Wick, I've seen it in Star Wars, but I still dig it. It's still a great sequence. It looks really, really great. All these guys getting like the bounty puck kind of thing activated on them. Uh, wonderful. Really enjoyed it. And, and again, seeing, seeing some of these, uh, the menagerie of alien species, alien creatures, just kind of arming up, grabbing weapons, getting ready to go and, and hunt down a Jedi Knight. Uh, is really, really cool. And that's another aspect of Dio that I haven't mentioned just yet, other than, you know, it does have that Blade Runner-esque aesthetic to it. Uh, but I love how it's populated with, like, this just wild and diverse Star Wars menagerie of characters. Uh, uh, different aliens, different species, creatures, big and large, small, little, fuzzy, not fuzzy, scaly, all of it. it it's, it's, it's a wonderful... It's like, it's like the, they, they did a really good job of kind of like taking the cantina sequence that we all idolize so much and expanding on it in, in a really just wonderfully delicious way. It's fantastic. Uh, and again, the heat's about to come on to Kenobi now, and that's going to change the game for he and Leia's escape attempt. And Obi-Wan's, you know, he's seen that the, the, the bounty pucks are going live and, and everyone's, he's popping across everyone's uh, devices as, as a little hologram. He's feeling the squeeze now, but Leia's oblivious to it. She's sort of enjoying being in the marketplace. Uh, again, going to these food stands, checking all these things out. Uh, but Obi's feeling the squeeze. And 
as any 10-year-old would, she's starting to ask questions that Obi-Wan's not really prepared to answer, and she's not liking the lack of answers. So let's go ahead and check out a little bit of their interaction here as, you know, they're sort of figuring out what their dynamic is. Oh, and by the way, there's a cool-looking, forlom-looking droid. I, I don't think it's the actual forlom. I've not gotten confirmation of this, uh, but it looks a lot like forlom, the infamous bounty hunter from Empire Strikes Back. Uh, but again, there could, as a droid, there could be more forlom type droids in the galaxy. Why aren't you using your lightsaber? Maybe it's because you're not really a Jedi. I heard they all died. I read that Jedi can make things float. Make me float. What? I want to float. No. Because you can't. Because if I use the Force, then it'll draw attention to us. Come on. You haven't even told me your name. Ben. It's not a Jedi name. Well, that's my name. You'll have to trust me eventually. How can I trust you when I know you're hiding something? You think the less you say, the less you give away. But really, it's the opposite. How old are you? Ten. You don't sound like you're ten. Thank you. <laughs> Again, just a, another wonderfully precocious moment from that from this this young actor playing Leia. So good, it's so wonderful. But again, you know, you want to play, be the cynic of it. Kenobi should obviously know that she's ten. He, he was there for her birth, just for the record, in case anyone's forgotten. Come on. Bounty hunters everywhere. And now, uh, the little street urchin who helped Obi-Wan before is going to go to uh, Haja, and let, Haja Estri and let him know that they had a chance to obtain this bounty and they blew it. We had him. Look at this reward. Oh, that's embarrassing. Says he's with the girl. He'll have half of the city on him now. Let's get to him first. And that doesn't sound good, right? Like, again, selling out Obi-Wan, not a fan of that move. But there's more to him as, as, as to Haja, as, as we'll get to know. Um, and again, I, I love the way this it sort of feels like the, 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 the city is, is coming down around Obi-Wan in, in this sequence. I think they do a really nice job pacing this out. And again, Leia's sort of oblivious as she's just sort of taking in this environment around her, of her for her first time being off-world and, and sort of, you know, the overwhelming excitement that that brings and not really realizing the danger they're in. Uh, but Obi-Wan does. And again, he, he sort of feels it. He can feel the city coming down around him. Uh, but he, because he's busy and preoccupied with that, he's not realizing that he's not doing a good enough job of, of assuring Leia. You know, this is one of those things that he probably would have gotten a lot better when he was, you know, at the heights of his Obi-Wan-ness, if you will. But uh, this Obi-Wan, again, he's, he's trying to hide. He's trying to be lay, like lay low. And as Princess Leia calls him out for, she, you know, he thinks the less she, he says, the better. But it's the opposite. She's reading him like a book, which is insanely, shows the insane insightfulness of Leia as a character, and it's just a real. I, 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 again, I just find it so delightful and so on brand for the character. It's, it's, it's pitch perfect uh, that that this young Leia would be so much like this, uh, because it, it echoes the character that, that she will grow into, the person she will grow into as she gets older.
So at this point, with the walls kind of coming down around them, Obi-Wan takes them down an alley, trying to lay low, suss things out. It's also at this point that the Grand Inquisitor becomes aware that Ariva has put the bounty out on Obi-Wan and that basically everyone's looking for them, and he's not happy about that. The Imperial Garrison's on the way, and they're, they're going to do their best to smoke out and capture Kenobi before uh, Reva can get him. Because, again, well, it, I, I think the Inquisitor is also curious. Like, is, is Reva trying to kill him? Is Reva trying to capture him for Vader? What's going on here? I, again, we don't have details on, on like, Reva's fixation on Kenobi, what the past history is, how it all kind of comes together. We will speculate a little bit at the end of the episode. But yeah, a lot to go. Uh, let's check in, though, with Leah and Kenobi in the alley. And again, Obi-Wan's still not doing himself uh, many favors when it comes to endearing himself to the child. Uh, but as uh, as he, he he will sort of come to the realization, though, that he is uh, being a bit mean <laughs> in, in this scene. So uh, let's check it out. No noise from that. Her name's Lola, and she won't make any. She's hurt. Good. That's when he realizes he's being mean. What happened to her, anyway? She was ripped to pieces by kidnappers. She'll be all right, though. She's strong. I let your parents know you're safe. We'll be back in the palace, back to normal, by nightfall. Normal. Great. Now, who's hiding something, princess? You don't have to call me that. I'm just Leia. So a nice moment between the two characters, but they still have a lot to figure out in their in their, in their dynamic, right? Like, what's their relationship going to be? And Obin's trying, but he's not doing a great job. And you know, maybe, maybe it's the pressure of what's going on around him as the, all these, these people are bounty hunting him right now. And, and things are about to get worse here as the Buzz Benny trackers are going off. And Leia's about to figure out that she was kidnapped because of this man. And uh, <laughs> she doesn't like that too much. What is that? Why is there a picture of you? You did lie. Leia. That's what you were hiding. You're the reason I'm here. They took me to get to you. Didn't my father even send you? Of course he did. Leia, listen. How do I know you're not the real kidnapper? You have to trust me, Leia. You aren't a Jedi. Your father is a very old friend. I don't believe you. Leia. Leia! No! And so everything falls apart really quickly for Obi-Wan there after that little moment. Because as soon as she sees the bounty tracker, uh, she thinks she's being lied to, and it, in, in a sense, she has. From a certain point of view, she has been lied to because Obi-Wan's been keeping things from her. And now she's on the run, and Obi-Wan has to pursue her, which, is, again, is, is causing a lot of attention to fall on him as he's pursuing this child through the town, through the market. And that can't be good for anyone. Eventually, this foot pursuit will end up on the rooftops of Dayo, where bounty hunters are attempting to, to snipe Obi-Wan from a distance. We know he's been sniped before, but that was, that was a paid-for excursion on his part. Um, it, Riva's on the rooftop. She sees this. She's going to try and close the distance to get to the other side of the town so she can f f f pick up Obi-Wan. Leia's on the run. She's hopping from building to building. Meanwhile, on the ground, 
uh, fifth brothers leading the Imperial garrison into into the market. Oh my goodness. So many elements are coming together here. And the big pivotal one is is when they, when Leia will come to the edge of a building with a huge gap. And she can't possibly make the leap. And again, I'm going to play it. It's it's a very uh, music-driven sequence, but you're going to have to let your minds fill in the gaps here because uh, it's a really pivotal pivotal part of the episode, uh, especially as you know as as we described it earlier. Uh, Kenobi's on a bit of a pendulum, and he's at the low point, and he has to start swinging back up. And this this is a man who, for ten years now, has actively avoided the Force. And using the force and, and drawing attention to himself by using by using the force, and Leia puts herself in a position where she is about to fall to her death, can't hang on, and is going to need a little assistance from a Jedi Knight if she's going to survive this. And actually, before I play the the audio that I want to play and share with you guys, I just this also let's pause for a minute and think about how interesting it is to see Obi Wan using a blaster here. Right? We know we know he knows how to do it. He he. You know, is quite capable, quite a capable marksman when he wants to be. But uh, we know his opinion on blasters, so uncivilized. Uh, but here he is in a position where he's pinned down by two uh, uh, bounty hunters firing at him from different rooftops. Riva's closing the distance. We see Haj is showing up on the other side. Uh, he's witnessing this as it happens. And uh, that's going to change his idea of, of getting involved in this bounty quest uh, at the same time as he's about to witness Obi-Wan do something that people haven't seen for 10 years. Hold on! Hold on tight! Don't let go, Leia! Hold on tight! Hold on, just... just Leia, Leia, no! No! An incredibly powerful moment of the episode right there. Obi-Wan watching Leia fall to her certain death and, and him doing 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 Obi-Wan things, right? Getting ready to flex muscles he hasn't used in ten years. And the 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 he you know, there, there's that moment, that fear of doing it, but he does it. He does the right thing. He reaches out with his feelings, with the force and catches Leia before she can hit the ground. And the 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 emotion, the the tension, all of it on on Ewan McGregor's face in this scene. So wonderfully acted and the music swelling beneath him as you're listening to it, as you're watching him and and you're seeing his his facial emotions, his facial reaction to everything. It's it's so well done. It's so well executed. You know, it, it it's got to be funny to work on a movie set, right? Where you where you're you're seeing someone do these things, make these faces, and 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 you know it's for a greater good. But like, there's probably a moment where like you McGregor is probably chuckling to himself. He's like, he's like, got to be thinking to himself, like, what am I doing with my face right now? How's this gonna look? Uh, and then you see it 
on the screen, the way Deborah Chow shoots it, the way it's been, uh, the cinematography for the scene, the way it's been framed, the music underneath, so powerful, so so emotional, and it just works. Again, Obi-Wan flexing a muscle he hasn't used in 10 years, the strain that it takes to even just do that, to levitate a small girl to the ground, uh, because he's just, he's not been doing this. He's out of practice. He's not a Jedi anymore. And he, he sort of like lost his way, right? That's what we've been saying. The despair, the, the, the isolation, all of it, the, the, the burden that he feels for Anakin and for all the failures of the Jedi and, and for the Republic, the fall of the Republic. He's put all of this on himself and it's, it's causing him to shut down. So to see him reach out in this way is really, really exciting. It's a, it's a big turning point for the character. Now, the other moment we haven't gotten yet, and Leia calls him out on it earlier in the, se- in the sequence. I think, I think we played the audio for it already. It, 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 his extreme reluctance to activate his lightsaber. And that will be sort of like the moment, I think, that when, when we finally get to it, it's going to pay off so big. When, when Obi-Wan finally turns that lightsaber on, and has to engage in a lightsaber battle with either Reva or Vader or whoever it is. But that's going to be sort of like the final moment, right? Like, they have set that up now. That is our, our moment of sort of the, the pinnacle of the drama, right? Like, that is our, our what we're aspiring to get to. That is, that is Captain America saying, Avengers assemble. We are waiting for Obi-Wan to turn that lightsaber on and to embrace who he is once again. It's going to be huge when it happens. And... I think, like I said, I think the payout's going to be great. And it'll probably be in a similar moment to either save Leia or to save an innocent, something like that. Like something's going to have to push him to make that decision to activate the blade, to call attention to himself, and to be who he is. It's going to be rad when it happens. I cannot wait. Are you all right? You? You really are a Jedi. We need to move. All incoming and outgoing travel is cancelled. Have identification ready for scanning. Okay, so we got a big moment coming up. The Empire's coming in. They're shutting everything down. But now we're going to get to hear Obi-Wan describe who the Inquisitors are. And this is, this is really good stuff. Check it out. Who are they? Inquisitors. Many were Jedi who turned to the dark side. Now they hunt their own kind. And this is all for you? Who are you? The bounty is on me. Let her go. Listen carefully. The entire city's locked down. It's done. You need another exit. It's a cargo port. It's fully automated. They won't be looking for you there. Go to Transport 8. What are you talking about? It'll take you to Mapuzo. They'll be waiting. Who'll be waiting? There are people out there, people who can help you. Expect me to trust you. You're a criminal. Look, have I made a few bad decisions? Sure. Do I feel bad about it? Sometimes. Do I like credits? Yeah. There's so much stuff you can buy with credits. Haja. You remembered my name. I'm trying to make amends. I got that family safe, and I'm going to do the same for you. If I'd known what you were... It doesn't matter what I am. I just need to get the girl home. Go to these coordinates. They'll help you from there. And how do I know this isn't just a trap? What choice do you have? You're not alone, Obi-Wan. 
buy you as much time as I can. Great moment right there uh, with Haja as he comes out and blows away the forlorn looking droid and gives another shot on his way out the out the alley. Uh, but yeah, again, finding out that I, th I think for Haja is this wonderful moment where he where he's witnessed what Obi Wan's doing. He saw. I think he saw. He must have. It's not overtly clear, but he's obviously on the rooftop when Obi Wan does what he does when he uses the Force to catch the girl, and that obviously must inspire haja to begin to do the right things to see for haja is this moment of like hope the jedi are not dead they are not gone you know and there is a chance to be hopeful once again in the galaxy and and that's something that obi-wan hasn't realized yet that you know oh anakin or excuse me uh luke and leia might be the new hope uh but in small measure, Obi-Wan has a part to play in that as well. And, and he can bring, keep a little bit of that hope alive until the time is right by, by being a part of the action right now, by being involved, helping this girl and getting her to safety. Now, now we got the Inquisitors. Remember, the Inquisitors are moving kind of against each other. Reva's got her own agenda and her own plans. She's sort of broken away from the Grand Inquisitor. And now uh, the other Inquisitor, Grand Inquisitor and Fifth Brother, they've tracked down the people she's hired to put the bounty out. And uh, Grand Inquisitor is not stoked. He's doing some lightsaber twirling, and it's getting it's getting ugly for Flea. I know she put a bounty on Kenobi. Where is he? So I assume that is the end of Flea, and uh, the Red Hat Chili Peppers will probably issue a statement tomorrow about it. Meanwhile, Reva's still doing some hardcore action to get to the other side of the city from the rooftops. She's doing some parkour action to get down to the street. And she's about to have uh, <laughs> a, a confusing interaction with Haja Estri. And uh, I, again, I, I sort of found this delightful. Finally, we meet. We both know why you're here. I am Haja Estri. Jedi, you found me. You're as good as they say. Good out of my face. What's the bounty on me now? A million? Two million? Doesn't matter because you will not get it. You're no Jedi. But you know where one is. I am the only Jedi around. Where is he? Ah, that was a magnet, was it? What did you ask? You know what? I'm not going to answer it. I don't need you to. And now she's doing the Kylo, Kylo Ren. She's going to go into Haja's mind and pull out the answers she needs. Though I I don't think Haja's able, as good a resistor as, as Poe Dameron was because uh, he doesn't let out the same kind of scream. But he definitely feels violated by the end of this exchange. That is a fact. All right, so let's go ahead and catch up with Leia and Obi-Wan at the cargo area here. I love this exchange. This is fun stuff, too. Another great moment between these two characters. And listen, you know, we're only two episodes in. We don't know where things are going to go from here. But this this connection now between Obi-Wan and Leia is going to really force us to recontextualize the the exchange, the hollow message that Leia leaves for Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope. There's now a relationship there. There's now a connection. They know each other. This really enriches her plea for help to Obi-Wan 
on Tatooine when she's trying to get the tent of four there after the escape from Scarif. This really, really adds so much depth to that opening sequence. She Obi-Wan's no longer this character that she's heard about from her father, you know? Like, no, no, no. Leia now has a personal connection to Obi-Wan Kenobi. We will see how deep it is by the end of the series, but it's there now. It exists. Obi-Wan Kenobi came to her aid as a child. Now she is calling on him again. It, it's, it's, it really forces us to look at this in a new light, to expand the way we think about that opening sequence in A New Hope. And I love it. I'm here for every single second of it. So, so good. Let's go ahead and play this exchange. As, he, as again, now that Leia knows she can trust Obi-Wan despite his secrets, what he's been hiding, it puts their relationship in a much better light. Uh, so you get a much more uh, uh, enjoyable exchange between the two in this sequence. We must be careful. This is a cargo port. It's not meant for people. Then they won't look for us here. Well, not unless it's a setup. Is it that hard to believe you might have friends? Look, since I met you, I've been chased, shot at, I almost fell to my death, and now there are inquisiting people after us. If somebody is offering us help, I think we should take it. Now come on. Okay, so this is the moment when I almost cried in the show. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This is the moment when I almost cried. <laughs> what now? Nothing. You just remind me of someone. She was fearless, too, and stubborn. I'm not stubborn. Yes, you are. I'm not. Was your friend a Jedi, too? No, she was a leader. She died a long time ago. I'm sorry. Me too. That scene hit me in the guts. I, and I did not expect it, right? Like, you, you, again, we sort of get this father-son dynamic throughout the original, original trilogy. But what we're doing here so far with, with, with Obi-Wan and Kenobi show is, is we're showing the Leia stuff that we didn't get to experience for almost 40 years now. And, and to have Obi-Wan make this comparison to Padme, uh, a character who is, who is shrouded in mystery for so, so long uh, for my generation of Star Wars fans uh, to make, have him make that reference to her. Uh, it, I was surprised that the, the way it's, it, it, the way it hit me in the guts. Uh, and I loved it so, so much. It's, it, it's just a really wonderfully acted, moment from me from you and 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 ah oh, I, I just here for all of it uh but things are about to get real as reva now knows where they are and they have to make their escape from dio there's a lot going on here but if you got reva closing in and the inquisitors closing in on reva so a lot of things are happening as obi-wan and leia attempt to make their escape from dio so let's go ahead and get to this moment all right we're here in the cargo bay, the cargo transport, basically. Leia's on board, ready to take off. Obi-Wan's about to try and distract Reva, cause some kind of distraction. He's willing to sacrifice himself so that she can get away. He's given her the tools to do just that. Uh, and he has his lightsaber in his hand. But again, that moment, he, it's not activated. He's not ready to go. He's, he's actively hiding. He's evading. He's dodging. Dodge, duck, dip, dive and dodge all right he's doing all of those things 
so that Reva can't find him. But she's doing the classic move, right? Like this is Vader in Empire to Luke. She's taunting him, basically. She's calling him out. She's she's talking about how she can sense his fear and all these things. Let's go ahead and get into it a little bit. Uh, it might be a long segment. I may have to pause and interrupt it here and there because, again, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get in trouble for playing these clips. But you know, whatever, dude. Let's just do it anyways. Let's see what happens. Here we go. All right, check it out. Riva Kenobi, the tension. I'm just going to take you to me. Lord Vader will be pleased. You didn't know. He's alive, Obi-Wan. Anakin Skywalker is alive. He's been looking for you for a long time. And I will be the one to deliver you to him. Okay, pause it right there. Let's stop. Get your press. Get your press. Get your press. Whew. Lot to unpack there, okay? The revelation to Obi-Wan, the reaction, the scene on his face, the expressions, all of it, that Anakin Skywalker is alive, that he is Darth Vader. Again, not the greatest reveal that Anakin Skywalker is in fact Darth Vader. That honor still belongs to Ahsoka Tano in Rebels when she finds out, in the way in which she finds out. But again, the news, again, and, and you have to tie this in to Obi-Wan's trauma right to his his sort of you know post-traumatic stress disorder uh this causes him to like i mean it, you could you see it on his face he's completely flushed he's blown away by this he he doesn't know how to react it doesn't anger him he doesn't flick on his lightsaber and go on like some kind of suicide charge yelling no that can't be true he's processing this he's feeling this he 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 search your feelings you know it'd be true kind of moment for him and uh, the only reason why he doesn't have a stronger reaction is because the Grand Inquisitor steps into the, into the scene, right? But this leads me to, into my theory. And again, I could be wrong here. But based off of what we know about the Inquisitors from Rebels, and it's been extrapolated and expanded upon in a lot of the Darth Vader comic books, Darth Vader has a bit of a contentious relationship with the Grand Inquisitor, and with the Inquisitors in general. Like, he sort of feels like they're stupid and in his way. They kind of slow him down. Sidious is the one who is like, no, 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 listen. Like, I got bigger things for you to do. I, I got bigger fish for Vader over here. Let these guys handle, like, the, these, these, you know, useless former Padawans, former youngs that are running around. They're not worth your time and effort. Vader wants to kill all the Jedi. That's what he wants to do. He sort of tolerates the Inquisitors, right? Because, again, he sort of feels their competition, right? Like, like, if someone is the Grand Inquisitor, they might have aspirations to become the next Sith, right? Like, they might want his position as Sidious's right hand. So, you, again, you, when you're messing with the dark side of the Force, it's about ambition and power and, and, and all these, these, these negative feelings, right? So Vader doesn't, is not, he's not the world's biggest enthusiast of... The Inquisitors, he uses them. They're a tool for him. So 
in my mind, in my theory, what I'm, what I'm sharing with you all, and by all means, let me know if you think I'm out of my mind. Vader, knowing that Reva is in the Inquisitors, that she is in the Inquisitors, he may know more about her connection to Kenobi, what her sort of fixation on Kenobi has always been. Maybe Anakin Skywalker was a part of it. Maybe that led him to share what I have always believed was to be the greatest secret in the galaxy, that Darth Vader is, in fact, former Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker. To my knowledge, that's still the way the continuity works, right? That nobody knows that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. By and large, Jedi Knight believe that Anakin fell. That was that, you know? Like, he died in the Purge in Order 66. No one really knows that he ascended, that he fell to the dark side and ascended and, you know, rose again as Darth Vader. So the fact that Reva knows this lends me to think that Vader has brought her into his confidence in an effort to draw Kenobi out. That's sort of where I'm at with this. I believe Reva is a tool of Vader, separate from the Inquisitors, on her own path, on her own mission, directly from Darth Vader himself to bring out Kenobi, to smoke him out, bring him into the light so that Vader can finally get his revenge on Kenobi for what happened in Revenge of the Sith. And Reva, at some point, will probably get killed by Vader for knowing this information. I think it stands to reason. There is some precedent for this in some of the Star Wars Marvel comics. You know, Dr. Aphra, a couple other things like that. People who find out that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader, they don't do well for the rest of their lives because they're extremely short. So I don't think Reva is going to last in this world. And I think her death will come at the hands of uh, Anakin himself, at Darth Vader's hands. Uh, but the revelation, the, the shock to the system that it provides to Obi-Wan, uh, this, this will be a pivotal moment. And, and you know we're closing out this episode now. So as he's processing this, we don't really get to see his initial reactions. Just, or I mean, we see his initial reactions, but it will be interesting to see where what he goes to next right like what stage will he, will he deny it does he accept it does he reject it you know it, it's 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 going to be an interesting path for obi-wan to process this information that reva is now delivering to him and I, i'm really really excited to see it but at the same time we have a big big moment here now as the grand inquisitor has returned to stop reva from doing what she's doing this is third sister yelling and getting into conflict with the Grand Inquisitor, let's check out the rest of the scene. I can stand the reek of your ambition no longer. I've found him. We have him. And I cannot risk you losing him again. Move aside. Watch and learn. Uh, really think I'd let you take all the credit? Who's in the gutter now? Reva runs the Grand Inquisitor through with her lightsaber, which begs the question. Again, we've all watched Rebels, right? 
is this the Grand Inquisitor we know from Rebels? Is there another Umbaran Grand Inquisitor that we have yet to meet? Does this is this is this Grand Inquisitor on the Kenobi show not dead? Does he get into thrown into a back to tank and recover? Are Umbarans a little bit more uh, 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 able to uh, <laughs> ward off a lightsaber running through? Again, right through his guts. It doesn't look good, and I'm assuming it probably you know probably nicked his spine at some point. But back to his miraculous. Uh, so the, uh, we have some questions. We want to know, do Umbaran Jedi come in pairs? <laughs> I guess this is the real question. Because if this one's dead, is there another one who will take the place to become the one we see in Rebels? Not sure yet. Not sure yet. To be determined, TBD. Again, Rupert Friend, pretty good actor. I'm, I'd be a little surprised you were done with him after two episodes. But again, maybe you find out that he's got a twin brother. There's something else going on. Uh, again, we've we've only seen a... a, a a, a, a small sample size of the Inquisitors at this point. So let's wait and see what happens here. But a, a, a nice dramatic moment because, again, we all think that the Grand Inquisitor is calling the shots here. But again, this also lends, in my opinion, this lends to my theory that Reva, she's not on her own. She's working for Vader. Like, this is a plan that Vader put into motion separate of the Inquisitors because he knew that he could appeal to her uh, fixation on Kenobi, her sense of ambition, her sense of, of craving of power to get his to further his own goals. And that's what I believe is happening here. But regardless, I love it. Let's check out the final moments as Obi-Wan makes the dash for the ship. Reflecting on the information he's just gleaned. And this is the great transition coming up. So great! What a transition. Obi-Wan whispers the name Anakin. We cut to, to Vader in a back tank, his eyes shooting open. Our first shots of Hayden Christensen back in the scarred, desiccated body of Anakin Skywalker. And it's on. We know that it's on. And it's so good and delightful and delicious and juicy. Oh, it is pitch perfect. These first two episodes are so incredible. I'm so delighted that Disney released the first two episodes together like this uh, because this is a really, a really, a really, really strong powerhouse of Star Wars content for the weekend. Uh, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. People are busy. People are doing things. Stop what you're doing. Cancel your barbecue. 
cancel the family reunion, sit in front of the TV and watch this over and over and over again because it is all. It is everything. It is the way. All right, I stretched that out into a couple of scenes, some Mandalorian stuff. But again, so good. I, I The first two episodes have, have blown me out of the water. Uh, they've already exceeded expectations for me. Uh, I, I, I like all the characters we're introduced to. I think Reva is, is, is a wild card in this story. Unpredictable, crazy. I think she will ultimately meet the, her fate at Vader's hands, as many, many do. Because again, I, if, if they ascribe to sort of what Charles Soule and many other Star Wars writers have done, again, he sort of tolerates the Inquisitors. And I think he's using Reva as a, as a, as a tool to smoke out Kenobi. To, to enact his revenge against Kenobi by, by using her to draw him out and he'll eliminate her because either he confided in her or maybe through some other means she, she deduced and approached him and he decided to spin this in another way and use her to get what he wanted, which was revenge against Kenobi. And, and again, I'll reiterate for anyone who was, who was maybe a, a little twisted, Reva does not know that Leah is Anakin Skywalker's daughter, the daughter of Darth Vader. No, that, that's not known. No, 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 no. That's not the issue. The Going back to what they said in the episode, back in episode one, Kenobi served with her father. They referred to Bail Organa. That is not, the, we're not changing history right now. Because again, Vader doesn't know he has kids. That's the main thing that has to stay concrete through this this show, right? Like we can play around. Like the, there's a there's a time gap between episode three and episode four. We got twenty years, and this show can play around a little bit. You can play fast and loose with some stuff, some stuff. But there are a couple of concrete roadblocks that you cannot cross. All right, and one of them is Vader doesn't know he has kids. That's the end of that topic. If they cross that line, if they dare to venture that way, we'll talk about it on the podcast for sure. I, have, I got no problem calling them out when they make a mistake. But so far, anyone who's, who's, who's trying to imply that there's been like, like continuity mistakes, they're wrong. They're, they're interpreting the material uh, in, in, in the wrong way, and they need to pause and think about the material a little bit more. Bangarang, two great episodes of the show. I didn't give a rating to the first episode because I kind of viewed them all as one thing, but like it's nine buckets, it's almost nine and a half, like it's almost ten. Like I mean, I'm right there. I love so much of what they did, the scope, the feel, the presentation, the way it's produced, the way it's designed, the way it looks, the feel. Oh, it's 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 all right there. It's it's in my sweet spot for Star Wars material for Star Wars content, and. I'm loving it. I'm loving it so much that it's embracing some of the darker stuff. It's embracing the, the this era between hopefulness and the 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 end of freedom, right? You know, it it's 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 right in that sweet spot. It's hitting all the buttons. And I think this show thus far has done a bang up job of just kicking so much booty across the screen and I cannot wait to watch more of it over and over again for the next couple of weekends. Next forevers. Next forevers. I mean I rewatched Mandalorian and Boba Fett like 18 times. Kenobi is leaning towards even more than that. 
because again, you're in my favorite era. You're in the dark time between the fall of the Republic and the beginning of a new hope, right? The boot of the empire thick and heavy on the neck of freedom. Give me more of that. Oh, it's delightful. And you McGregor back. What a what a treat so far. I can't wait to see what Hayden Christensen brings to the mix, mix as Vader. Uh, you know, we I don't, I don't think they've bothered to confirm if um, they're going to use some sort of like voice modulator or if they're actually going to get James Earl Jones back to do the vocal work as Vader. I don't, I, you know, I don't know if we've been confirmed of any of those things. But so far, this show has surprised me. You know, I didn't know we were getting the Organas. I didn't know we were getting Princess Leia. I'm I'm just so delighted so far. So so delighted. And I think that I think that's where we have the end. I think that's where we have the end. So please, another reminder, make sure you're following us on social media. We're at Mando underscore vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show at MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with all the Mandalorians, Jedi, Sith, pirates, smugglers, whatever, in your covert. We would truly, truly appreciate that. If you have the time for the five-star reviews, we truly, truly appreciate those too. I want to take the time, you know, whenever a new show starts, there's a possibility we're getting an influx of new listeners. So I hope you've bared with me. I hope you've liked what we've provided for content over these first two episodes. So new listeners, I hope you stay aboard. We are glad that you're here. Join the Buckethead Nation and 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 uh, and talk to me. Hit me up on the socials. I, I love it. I love it. love it so much. Hopefully I'm providing entertaining content for all of you wonderful people who take the time to download and listen. And to our old longtime listeners, welcome back. I hope you're having as much fun as I am. And please, please, please continue to hit me up on the socials and we'll chat and engage about the shows. I'm having a total blast with this show so far. And again, celebrations rolling out all weekend and we got a lot of Star Wars stuff to, to get to. So hopefully Monday or Tuesday we'll be able to provide a nice wrap up. And yeah, that's kind of what we're doing right now. We're focusing on Kenobi and stay tuned for those episodes. They will hopefully be out on Fridays, maybe later in the day. Uh, but my work schedule and Kenobi's release schedule are not meshing at the moment. Uh, so I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, stay tuned on Twitter. I will keep you posted on there as far as the release date for upcoming shows and, and the Kenobi content in particular. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, that's always an option. You can sign up and become an official Mandovision Maniac at patreon.com forward slash Mandovision. You can sign up, gain access to bonus content, and hang out with super cool people like the Aspinel Chody, the Batman of Bayho, Jeff Nail. The, uh, he's, the, he's the host of The Ringing Ear. Excuse me. A great music podcast. Check it out. Evil Circle, thank you to you. Uh, he's the evilest of all circles. The Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer. Our very own Joker, Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista, a Pariah Brewing Company here in San Diego, California, and Baltimore, Maryland. The Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. The Silent Assassin, he who should not be named. And Syndicate Ram. Syndicate Ram is co-host of Come On, It's So Good, a great movie podcast that I recommend. All right. Well, we've done two episodes of Kenobi, and we've run well past an hour on each one. And this episode of Kenobi was shorter than the first episode, and I talked longer on this podcast. That's not great. <laughs> I will try to hone it in and do a little better next time. Um, otherwise, everyone, you be awesome. Be super cool, Star Wars fans. Spread the word. Spread the love. Be positive. Be uplifting. And if there's someone in your life that you know who's not doing well right now, reach out to them. Hit them up. Let them know that you're there for them. And hey, 
have them come over and watch Kenobi with you because if that doesn't make you feel good about yourself, I don't know what does. Holy smokes. Kenobi will make anyone happy, happy, happy. All right, you know what that means. It's time to get out of here. Let's wrap up the show. This podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. You expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature and deliver it to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. <laughs>